Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is um, December 12th, 2018, and this is our 333rd podcast. Lucky number here. We've got a great show for these for you this evening. Uh, it's going to be about personal power mastery. We've got an expert, uh, the well-known, renowned Douglas Vermeeren is going to be calling in. Three four seven nine four five five eight three four. We look forward to speaking to him. He's got a couple of books out. Uh, one's about passive income, and the other one that I have here, Personal Power Mastery, it's got a really interesting story. How he started out selling pest controls, knocked on twenty two thousand doors in Southern California, one of his first jobs, and then uh, had the epiphany of, you know, there's a there's a way to uh, get rich and a way to just work hard and um, they're not completely related, but you have to follow some rules. So Doug went out, interviewed uh, hundreds of experts and leaders in the field of business and achievement and athletes and show business, et cetera, put together a couple of documentary films on it and uh, built his own platform and brand. So it's a, he's a self-made success. So I can't wait to speak with him and share with him what we're doing here on Guys Guys Radio and for him to share his tricks and uh, teachings for us. I don't mean tricks, meaning like sneaky tricks, but uh, keys to how to become a success in whatever field you decide to go in. This is Guys Guys Radio, the place where, where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. It all started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. It's a story about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's kind of a male sex in the city. That's what it's been called. And uh, that led to my blogging at robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com, and that led to Guys Guys Radio, and here we are. The platform keeps expanding. We've talked to 330, we've had 333, as of tonight, interviews, and what we're doing, we started out, it was about relationships, and then I realized that the whole world is about relationships, so it's not just couples and men and women and men and men and women and women and whatever. It's about Seekers, really. People want to connect with other people. People want to uh, find out what life's really all about and what it can be and how to succeed. It's about seeking, whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally. People are seeking. They're looking for more than what's being served up to us, basically. If you watch the media, there's a lot of distraction there. I love football. It's fantasy football playoff time. It's great. But I know it's fun. It's a distraction. It really means nothing. If the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl, I'll have some bragging rights, even though I'm, the, I'm a New Yorker. But it is what it is. You know, uh, the next day I have to, I still have to provide for my family. So it's, it's, uh, there's, there's distractions there. And then we have the great divide in the country now. And, uh, you know, whatever channel you turn on, that's just it's a big fight and it's depressing to watch and uh, it distracts us from doing the work that we can do for myself, my background's in advertising and marketing. And after um, my last advertising position where I was president of an agency, we did some tremendous work with some world renowned brands. The, uh, the agency had some financial issues and I launched my book and decided to make myself the brand. And I've been working on that for a few years, and uh, things are now coming together. So maybe I'm following some of Doug's rules, and uh, I'll find out when I speak with him in a few minutes. Um, uh, so we've been doing Guys Guys Radio. I am working uh, with somebody right now in some discussions that may take us. Right now, Blog the Hook Radio is our platform. We've done, as I said, mentioned 333 shows. We're also on TuneIn. We're on Stitcher. And um, iTunes, if you want to support the show, it's all free. Of course, you can download and listen on demand, whatever you want on any of those four platforms. If you want to help out, you can 
check out my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. Go to Amazon or any of the e-tailers or bookstore and check that out. Or you can uh, rate, review, subscribe to uh, Guy's Guy's Radio on iTunes. And uh, that would really help because the more likes and positive ratings we get, we move up the food chain there. But there's more. So I'm in discussions of taking the taking the show beyond the current platform. And uh, hopefully I'll have an announcement by next week about how it's going to start off next year. And it'll be a quantum leap. So I'm really looking forward to that. Fingers crossed. But, you know, I've worked on it. Um, You have to put in the work like anything else. And that's what we do here. Uh, We bring you guests here on Guys Guys Radio. uh, Considerations for you having your best life. People that may teach you something that may help you think that may raise your frequency, that may cause you to, to rethink something uh, to, or to get motivated and really follow the, your life's path and kind of get out of that rut where a lot of times we get up, we go to work, we come home, we're tired, we flip on the TV, we're tired again, we go to sleep, get up, do the same thing. We don't really think too much about it except when we're burned out mentally, then we go to our distractions. It's very easy to fall into that pattern. So many of us do, and it's almost like it's by design. So Doug's going to help us out with that. So let's uh, see what else is happening in the, the world today. Then we'll take a very, very, very short break, and then we'll bring on our special guest, uh, Doug Vermeeren. Okay, so let's see what else is happening out there in the world. Let me find my notes on tonight. Well, it's holiday time in New York City, and that's always a trip. Um, as I always have been mentioning for the last three months, the weather, you know, it's amazing here where every day they are predicting a sunny day and then it's sunny for till like a 10 o'clock in the morning. And then the clouds come in. It's bizarre. I've never seen weather like this in my entire life. And we've had cloudy days, basically almost, I'd say 95% of the time since Labor Day. It's just weird. And, uh, this weekend is supposed to get warmer and rain, but we might get some flurries tonight, some overcast tomorrow. So it's just weird weather. Fortunately, we didn't get socked with the the storm uh, in the southern part of the U.S. Uh, We've been okay here up north, and we'll see how it goes. Um, I am just finishing out the year. I've talked about it a few times in the past. I I developed this diet program, the process of elimination. And what I've done is I've eliminated 50 foods from my diet over the past 50 weeks. I've got two more to go. The book is uh, in the process right now <laughs> also, and I've learned so much by doing this, and now I'm to the point where, okay, what are the last two things going to be that I cut out? And one of them has to be, and that'll be this Sunday coming up, my beloved peanut butter. I love organic peanut butter. Valencia peanuts are probably the healthiest organic Valencia peanuts. So the, of all the peanuts that are out there, it's probably the healthiest. So uh, I'll buy that uh, in bulk, and uh, I just love it. And uh, but I'm going to give it up for a couple of weeks at least. And who knows what the last thing is for the last week. That's just a throw in. So we'll see what that is, but it's been amazing what the diet has done for me beyond the losing weight. It's also eliminated cravings up my energy level. And these are the things you do when you just really get fired up about something and then you turn it turn it into something. So we'll be doing that. Uh, what else is happening? Um, yeah, this holiday season, just for everybody to know is it for a lot of people, it's the happiest time of the year. And for uh, other people, it's the worst time of the year. It's the most depressing. So all I would suggest is in your daily travels, when you're seeing people, you may be one of the happy ones who loves the holidays, but remember there's a lot of people who are lacking. So they, the holidays just amps up whatever emotions that they have, whether it's bad or good. And if they're not good, they're going to get more depressed now. So do your best to be kind, be generous, and uh, send some love out there for people. So, all right, it's uh, 7.09. We're going to take a very, very quick break, and then we're going to be right back with our special guest, Doug Vermeeren. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. Your host, Robert Manny, bringing you the show. Hey, as I mentioned, uh, this Guys Guys Radio, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, and TuneIn, 
robertmanny.com is the website. I'm all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So check, check things out and uh, keep up with us. We're doing a lot of good things. So let's talk about personal power mastery. I was fascinated by our guest, Douglas Vermeer, and his personal story and all the great things he's done. And I love the fact that he's talked to all of these experts, world business and motivational leaders to glean wisdom that creates personal power mastery. So let me give you his introduction. We'll bring him right on. Have you ever fantasized about being in Napoleon Hill's shoes? Remember that book, Think and Grow Rich, as he was gathering the wisdom of the world's leading industrialists for that seminal book, Think and Grow Rich, rather. but today doing it and getting guidance that is not only ageless, but spot on for the modern world right now. Even though most of his truths are time, timeless, it, uh, things need to be updated, of course. And Douglas Vermeeren, he's the person who's done that. He's an internationally renowned speaker. He's a leader. He's a mentor, also a filmmaker. And to put his works together in his platform, he interviewed 400 of the world's busiest and motivational leaders to glean wisdom that creates what he calls personal power mastery, the skill of leading a life of achievement and success on every level. His search for success strategies took him into the offices of the founders and CEOs of huge corporations like Nike, Reebok, Fruit of the Loom, FedEx, American Airlines, KFC. I worked on KFC in the advertising. I wonder who he spoke with. McDonald's, Disney, American Airlines, Microsoft, and as a result, ABC TV and Fox Business refer to him as the modern-day Napoleon Hill, and that's quite a handle and something to live up to. He's also producer-director of three out of the top ten personal development movies ever filmed, author of three books in the Grillet Marketing Series, and a regular featured expert all over broadcast media. Currently, his program, Personal Power Mastery, is rated number three in the world for the most powerful personal development seminars. And he has a new book, Personal Power Mastery, which will take its place on the list with uh, international bestsellers. The book's hailed by many of the preeminent leaders of the personal, personal growth movement as a blueprint to help overcome limitations, eliminate bad habits and beliefs so people can ascend to the highest level of mastery, accomplishment, financial attainment. I love that. So let's bring him out right now. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Douglas Vermeeren. How are you, Douglas? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me. We're having some fun. I know you're all over, all over the place, so I'm very honored that you decided to uh, stop by Guys Guys Radio and uh, share your wisdom. Um, I love your personal story. Why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit because I was curious. Yeah. And what I like to do is like ask the questions if I was listening to the radio. What would, hey, why don't you ask this or ask that just from a personal standpoint? So yeah. I was thinking, I wonder, you know, I wonder this guy's personal story, what, what Doug has done, what kind of jobs he's had, because obviously <laughs> his career wasn't corporate all along, but he did the door to door thing. When I've he never been on corporate. Doors. <laughs> and, and I know the feeling because I've sold um, one of my first jobs was, um, well, he was a paper boy, so I had to go door to door and sell and collect and deliver the paper. But also, I worked in a mall one summer, and what we did was okay. we would go up to people and say, did you get your photograph? And we would sell them um, a, a program where they come back and get their pictures taken. And then after the pictures were taken, they cool. come back again. And it was and one thing led to another. And if I collected the $10 from them, I got to keep that. And uh, it was basically right. hardcore sales, which I'm sure you relate to. So tell us a little bit about your beginning experience, yeah. starting when you did the knock. You had to go up to people's door, cold call, sure. and boom, sure. pest control. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is even then, I, I've never really worked in a mall. I've never done any that, but my first job was actually at a hardware store in a paint department. So, yeah, that mm -hmm. was years ago. But um, kind of, I guess, the, the best way to kind of frame my story is as a young man, um, I grew up in kind of a family where this idea of work smarter was actually to work harder. My parents believed that putting right. in more hours was actually the answer to create a better life. And so my dad worked in construction. My mom babysat kids in the home, and uh, we were just all taught to work hard. And I had no exposure at all to personal development or any kind of mentorship or leadership or anyone who really could take me under their wing except from afar. Like I'd seen people obviously in our community that had money and, you know, people at our church that looked like they were well to do, but I'd never really had a firsthand view of that. In fact, um, even in high school, I was still wearing hand-me-downs. And uh, it's funny, even when I was in college, before I took that pest control job, 
uh, I was deep in debt. I had student loans. I had car payments. I had credit cards. I had you name it. In fact, the bill collectors pretty much knew me by name. So things were not good, <laughs> right? In fact, I still remember going into like an Albertsons, uh, like a supermarket, and uh, I put down a thing of milk, a loaf of bread, and a couple of instant noodles. It was like $4.22, and my card declined. It was like crazy yeah, embarrassing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I came from a really, really difficult place. And so kind of what happened to me is when I, when I was in college and I got there basically by maxing out student loans and every other means I could, uh, there was a guy that kind of came to our school as a recruiter. And he basically told us that you could live this life of you know, wealth and fortune and everything else. All you got to do is sell pest control door to door in California, and everybody's got bugs in California, so this is an easy gig. And he was like giving money left and right. Every time somebody'd answer a question, he'd hand out a hundred bucks. And so he really got the room going. So I thought for sure, like, this is it, right? And so I took that job. And uh, as you mentioned, the one summer I knocked on more than 22,000 doors. And for anybody in your audience that's done door to door sales, like, it's honestly, tough. guys, it sucks, right? It's a great experience, though. So, I mean, because it makes you fearless, it was. right? Well, you know what? I wish I could say that it did immediately, uh, but it didn't. In fact, for me, uh, <laughs> after probably about a month of doing this, I was ready to quit. <laughs> I was ready mm-hmm. to throw in the towel, and I was so discouraged. The bill callers were still collecting, and just it, it wasn't looking good. And so uh, I was just about to quit, and actually a friend of mine, uh, an older gentleman who I had known, said, listen, you got to come by. I've got a gift for you. It's going to change everything for you if, if, you, know, if you follow what I'm going to tell you to do. I was like, well, what has he got? Like, is he going to give me a chest full of money or the, you know, the keys to the vault or what, what has this guy got? And when mm-hmm. I showed up at his house that night, he gave me two books, actually. He gave me How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, and he yep. gave me Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And both of those books obviously changed my life. Like I said, this was my first exposure to personal development. The first time that anybody or anything ever told me that I could do something more than I was experiencing currently and that really if I would – you know, just first of all, even believe in myself that I could start opening bigger doors for myself. And so as I read that book, um, I came up with the idea of, wouldn't it be amazing to do what Napoleon Hill did, like to write Think and Grow Rich, for those of you who are familiar with it, you'll remember that he wrote the book after interviews like Thomas Edison, Henry Mm -hmm. Ford, the Rockefellers, the Wrigleys, the Wright brothers, like everybody. So I decided I wanted to go out and do that. And so uh, I started with some people that I knew that were kind of successful, Obviously, you know, they weren't yet the world leaders, but then someone taught me at the end of every one of those visits, I should say, who else do you know that I should talk to? And soon I was being introduced mm-hmm. to all kinds of people. And by the way, the guy at KFC that you're, you're talking about, I don't know if you were there during these years, but Frank McGuire, who is the VP of all of marketing for KFC, is the guy that actually became like a grandpa to me. And he was also one of the four founders of Federal Express once he left KFC. But he's known for a few other things. For example, he was in the White House under Lyndon B. Johnson and JFK for their press secretary team. He was Mm -hmm. the VP of marketing for all of American Airlines. And he was actually at ABC when it switched from radio to TV, and he gave Alan Alda, Charles Osgood, and uh, Ted Koppel their first jobs. So, um, yeah, I just kind of worked up the chain, and eventually I got to even people like President Trump. We didn't didn't cross paths, but that's that's fascinating. Let me ask you this. when yeah. you were talking to all these people, did you find uh, that there was a – what was the uh, similar thread that you found in all of these people, and what was the thing that was different, the most different in terms of – it was most – had the biggest variable, like everybody had kind of a different answer on? That's a great question. Um, you know, I guess a good way to kind of approach this, too, is at the same time as I was interviewing the world's top achievers – and this, this literally took about a decade to get through these 400 people, right – um, sure. I am an avid reader, and once I got bit by the personal development book bug or the bug of it, I started reading personal development books. And so I also found a massive, massive, massive disconnect between what so many of the books are teaching right now and what top achievers really do, right? Like there's a lot of difference okay. between there. And, and, I, and personally, I think that's uh, – this is just me. Again, I'm not trying to come across as a negative guy here, but I just want to call the facts as they are. It's because I believe that a lot of the people who are out there writing the books have never really experienced the success they're trying to teach others to do. So, for example, when the movie The Secret came out, all of a sudden we had a flock of law of attraction coaches. People who would never heard of the law of attraction, all of a sudden they kind of dialed into this fad, and now they were teaching it. Or people go see Tony Robbins, and the next thing you know, they call themselves a life coach or whatever. The truth of the matter is, is the things that I learned directly from the real top achievers 
just wasn't the same. So let me maybe talk about kind of what some of the similarities among them were yeah. that I thought mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing. In fact, the foundation of this all, in fact, uh, in the book that I, I just wrote, Personal Power Mastery, we share about 17 of these major attributes. We call them powers. But it mm-hmm. can really all kind of be summed up a lot in the title, Personal Power and Mastery. And the word personal is very peculiar because I think a lot of people live their life as spectators. They aren't owning it personally. They aren't participating personally. They aren't invested. And so, therefore, they think, you know, we live in a society where often we can blame others. Like, my business isn't doing well because of the economy. My relationship isn't doing well because of my spouse. My kids are misbehaving and blah, 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 blah. It's always someone else who's the problem. And top achievers don't do that. And we have a little saying at our seminars. In fact, we often have people that come in and want to make changes in their life. So our saying is simply this, if you own it, you can change it. And Mm -hmm. often that means owning even problems that you didn't create. So that's one big thing about top achievers is they don't worry about who created the problem. They take responsibility to improve that situation. I love that. Who created it. Yeah, so that's massively important, personal responsibility. Um, So so that's uh, item number one. Okay. I find that a lot of people, uh, you know, most people, they can't even, they can never admit they're wrong because they're afraid they're going to be ridiculed or whatever. And people very rarely say they're sorry because for whatever reason, I think they just, nobody wants to own it because they think they're going to get in trouble, whether it's at work or in personal relationships. What, what, what is it about, about that um, not owning it? Is that the big issue, Doug? Well, I think a lot of it actually can be summed up in one of the experiences I had early on as I was doing the interviews. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do, obviously, was change my financial situation. I mean, we all know I was broke at the time. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of business ideas and stuff. And so I very early in my visits with um, you know, these top achievers, I had an opportunity to visit with a billionaire. And that's with a B. And so I took mm-hmm. the business plan to him. I was hoping he'd invest in the business and give me some ideas and show me how to you know, really become wealthy. And so as he was reading my business plan, he pointed out a few things, and I argued for it. I told him, no, 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 this is why it needs to be like this. Well, he kind of smiled and let me continue. Then he pointed out something else that I might want to change. Again, I argued for it. And I said, no, 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 this is why it's this way. And then I did that a third time. Finally, he raised his hand. He said, you know what? You can be rich or you can be right. The problem with most people <laughs> is they will always be broke. Yeah, this is exactly what he said. He said the problem with most people it. is they'll always be it. broke because they live according to their ego. And if you always mm-hmm. live according to your ego, the good news is, and maybe this is bad news, he said, is that you get to keep everything that you've already created. You get to stay exactly where you are because you're right and no one can teach you. And then he said something very peculiar at the time. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but since then I've been like, this is true. Hooray. He said, let's take a, take a look at our report cards. And I said, our report cards? And he goes, yeah, our bank statements. He said, mm-hmm. one tells me I know how to be rich. You've got one that tells you you know how to be right. If you want to Mm -hmm. turn things around, you've got to now become teachable. And then he actually went on to say something that I thought was incredibly insightful. He said, what's the difference between stupidity and tenacity? I was like, well, I don't know. And he says, well, stupidity is a guy that bangs his head on the wall, you know, bang, 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 in exactly the same spot trying to get into the next room. That's stupid. Then he said, tenacity is a guy who bangs his head on the wall, realizes it didn't work, finds a new spot to bang his head, and then a new spot again, (laughs) and a new spot until he finds a door. So either find a door or a window or get some advice from someone. So tenacity is willing to try new things and it's willing to be teachable. And I think that that's a big thing with this personal uh, aspect of personal power mastery too, is that if your life is going nowhere and your life is exactly a repetition of the patterns that you've been experiencing again and again and again, you may want to have a look at how teachable you are. (laughs) Oh, that's great advice. Um, so you also wrote about, um, I was reading one of your blogs, the most expensive things list, and I love it. Could you talk about oh, that yeah. a little bit? Everybody likes that lately. Well, here, here's the deal. One of the things that I've just been recognized for is, is being the number one passive income coach in the world. Yeah. Now, by the way, that's not because of me. That's really because of the guys that I interviewed. They taught me how to, in a massive way, make passive income. In fact, you remember I was broke, right? Well, mm-hmm. after I started these interviews and applying what these guys taught me inside of six months, I did $1.6 million, which is on average $9,000 a day. In other words, you're making yeah. money while you sleep and you're doing it yeah. turbocharged. And so I was so going to ask you, what were you, what were you doing when you were uh, making these interviews? Because it took you a couple of years. How were you making money? So keep oh, going with oh, that. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So I, I just started following their advice with a variety of things. In fact, you know, not to go too far off to the side here, but there's really five ways that money is made. And passive income, by the way, right now, like a lot of people are talking about, 
about online and build a funnel, build this. And I have that stuff. I agree. You got, you know, that's a great, easy entry to do it. But passive income has existed long before the internet. And if you understand how it's really made, there's certain patterns for making passive income that are just as strong and sometimes even easier than what these guys are teaching you to do on the internet. So the five areas where all money is made is either in business, real estate, investment, capitalizing on your intellectual property, or through your networks. And mm-hmm. I just found a way to use each one of those. Again, I do business deals. In fact, I flip businesses a lot, just like people flip uh, real estate property. So I'll find okay. an undervalued business that maybe needs a cleanup, maybe needs some support, put that in, and then I'll either sell it or I'll just have someone else run it, and I'll get paid. Uh, real estate, same thing. I've got rental properties. I'm, I'm part of real estate income trusts. I've got you know, things that where we do deals with people who, for example, are in foreclosure. I'll sell it back to them as a rent-to-own, and I'll be their bank, right? So – you know, we can just get screaming deals on some of these property. Obviously, I invest as well. IP, you know, you talked about my movies a little bit. That's one place where we made a lot of money. But uh, IP is probably the easiest to make money on nowadays to either license your ideas or franchise your ideas or find, you know, people who will distribute it and affiliate with you to sell it. And then lastly, your network. In fact, one of my favorite things that I've ever done in my life, one of the coolest things I've ever done, is I actually made $400,000 in an hour with none of my own money just using my networks. And the way that I did that that? is I simply simply found people who have money, and I said, if I can find you something that will make you more money and something you're interested in investing, would you give me a 20% finder's fee? And a lot of people say, well, that's a crazy high finder's fee. But the thing is, when you're asking them to engage with you, they don't think you're going to find something. So most people will agree with that. So I had Mm -hmm. to pay for that. We did a legal agreement. And then I just went to a bunch of entrepreneurs that I thought had great ideas. I said the same deal. If you've got something that... You know, if I can find you the money for that, would you pay me 20% of whatever I can find you? And they said, yep. Well, I just started doing introductions, and I'll never forget it. It was a Christmas Eve. I was having dinner uh, at a pizza hut with my family. All of a sudden, I got a call from my lawyer who said, you, you basically want to come in. I got a Christmas present for you. I'm like, yeah, you can get it to me later. He's like, no, I want to give this to you now. Trust me. I'm like, well, then you better come down here to Pizza Hut. So as he shoveled himself a piece of Hawaiian, <laughs> he sat down, slid me an envelope. And I opened it up, 400 grand. And I didn't do anything other than just introduce a handful of people. I didn't see it coming. And by the way, there's been other times that that has also funded as well. Uh, But that's my favorite one, just because it's so, like, out of the blue, here's $400,000. It's like winning the lottery that day, right? That's that's amazing. um, Tell us about how do you make money on IP, building a platform? Oh, Because you're you're doing it, I'm doing it, and a lot of people are doing it nowadays. Exactly. Well, I think the biggest challenges that most people have when it comes to IP is they don't understand that they need a very strong distribution channel, and then they need to understand how to market. The rest is pretty Mm -hmm. simple because you can get affiliates that will get out there and monetize. You can have different forms to sell it. But, again, if you you can't find a way to get your IP visible, which is, again, the marketing – and if you can't find a way to have it purchasable, in other words, to, to allow them to take action on it, it's very difficult to monetize that. And the problem with most people, I think, like if you look kind of on social media, people, they do their YouTube videos and they create blogs and some people build these online courses. Um, nobody knows who they are, right? So who's going to buy from that? And um, it's really difficult to kind of have that experience if, if, again, people don't really know who you are. And you can never do it by yourself. Like, I'm a firm believer that if you're going to exploit your IP, um, do the deal where everybody else gets paid so much. Like, again, even the affiliates that do stuff with us, like we just put out a book called Passive Income Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Our affiliates are sometimes getting as high as 90% of everything they sell. That's okay. I don't need to have 50-50. I don't need to have 60-40. I'll give them 90% because what that means then is I've got a higher volume of people selling for me, and they're also creating my brand, right? So mm-hmm. I guess you've got to look at IP as a long-term play as well, right? Because if they'll buy one book from me and they'll love it, they're going to buy everything else that comes along the way as long as they feel like the value is there. So what I really want, I want to kind of run like a – a Sam's Club or a Costco kind of enterprise, or kind of like what you did with the photos in the mall, you just want people to get a taste. You want to get them trying you. You want to get them aware of you. And what gets sold to them after that, I mean, you know, as long as you're giving them good value, I've got some customers that have been with me seven or eight years, and my average customer even right now per year, like with, you know, if they do one-on-one coaching with me or whatever, I've got people that spend two or $300,000 a year with me. So go ahead and take a book for free, man. Like, right? Like, let's just get them started to know who I am. And I'm happy to, you know, give all that money to affiliates in the beginning. 
So if people uh, look at you, I, I love what you're doing. I love what you're saying, by the way. You know, I know uh, I have some friends in business, like one of my buddies, he's in, um, he's a reinsurance broker and he had kind of a down year and his wife's like, we got to go to Tony mm-hmm. Robbins and they walk over the coals and everything. How does what you're seeing, your way seems a lot more practical. Um, tell me what the difference is into the approaches without, you know, this, every, you know, Tony Robbins works for a lot of people. You either with a lot yeah. of teachers, you vibe with them or you don't. Everybody has their own taste, and that's cool. But well, yeah, tell you us what's your you special sauce, with, sure. basically. Well, first I want to say by saying that I'm a massive fan of Tony Robbins. Um, I love that guy to death. I think he's done amazing stuff for the personal development industry, and his material is solid. So I'm a big fan of his, and um, you're right. You find who you resonate with. I guess the thing that I, I notice with me that's different than a lot of the teachers I, I do share a lot of the mindset strategy. I definitely do. But I really, I don't know, I'm too impatient to fool around with theory, man. Uh, for me, it's all about, like, especially mm-hmm. with our wealth building courses, um, you know, I want you to be monetizing before we're done the conversation, right? Like, and, and you know, if you look at some of my students and, and people that have been through our programs or even people that I coach, Generally, they're monetizing, and I make them pull out their phone and either call people or associate with people or build a funnel or whatever, even before we're done talking. So um, <laughs> so I think that that's probably the big thing about me is I'm just an aggressive action taker. I believe that, you know, although I talk and preach passive income, I do believe that all passive income requires an active beginning, Right which mm-hmm. means that you need to build the systems. You can't sit on the couch and pray for things to happen. If you want to get paid passively, you just need to build things smart so that what you build once pays you forever and ever and ever. But having said that, the stuff that you build doesn't have to be complex and it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be difficult. The one thing that I find is important about, for example, passive income is that it's free money. So even if you built a stream that pays you $20 a month for the rest of your life, that's free money, $20, and then go and build another one and start stacking them. And pretty soon you'll see that you've got you know, uh, $1,000 a week, and then suddenly you're doing $1,000 a day, and suddenly you're doing $1,000 an hour, right? And so just don't be afraid to stack those, and don't discount that even little things make a big difference for you. What was your um, kind of inciting incident or tipping point or aha moment where you, where you realized that you, you knew what it took to put this together based on your interviews with all of these winners, so to speak? Well, it, it's, it's an interesting question that you asked that because I've been asked this before. And I think, you know, and now having, I guess, spent a decade working with people also who maybe started where I was or sometimes some of them even worse, um, there's a big difference between motivation and momentum. And I think if you're going to get somebody to get motivated on something, they have to have a really high uh, form of value behind it. For example, if someone asks, uh, my kid to clean his room, it's going to qu- require a lot of motivation because he just doesn't value that idea very much, right? But if I say to him, listen, we want to go and, you know, let's go uh, scuba diving somewhere, he loves that. So I don't have to tell him anything. He's already in the van and we're ready to go, right? So getting motivation requires a high connection to value, and that's often difficult for people. But what I find is easier to attain than motivation oftentimes is momentum. So, for example, if you've never invested in something before, but I took you by the hand and I showed you how to do it, and all of a sudden you get a check immediately in your hand that you get to cash and enjoy and spend, the momentum has begun. You see that it works, and now you want another one. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to motivate you. I don't have to teach you how to get yourself on board. The fact that you're now doing it, that you're engaged and you're seeing the results, will keep you going, and that's what's going to exponentially multiply. Once you get a check once for 100 bucks. I promise you, you're going to want another one. Then you get a check for a thousand, you're going to want another one of those, and it's just going to steamroll into that. So momentum is definitely more important than motivation. What's the biggest uh, mistake that most people make when they they when they're taking that first step to follow your kind of path, if you will? Well, I think probably and how do you the get them back on track? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that most people struggle with is they overcomplicate stuff, right? They overthink it, and they think that. Uh, you know, it needs to be some big miraculous answer, and that's how life change comes. Well, the truth of the matter is, is even in the title of what our book is, Personal Power Mastery, mastery actually is not what you think. It doesn't mean you got to wait for a big event to be called an expert or a master. Mastery, I love one time Pablo Picasso, the artist, was interviewed, and someone asked him how he became such a master, and he says, if you understood how hard I worked, 
you wouldn't call this mastery. You'd call it persistence. And I think that that's mm-hmm. the thing is we find the thing that really we know we need to do, the thing that ignites us, the thing that also validates us in the eyes of the others that are most important to us because we never find our purpose by ourselves, by the way. Our purpose and passion, you hear all these gurus talking about live for your passion, follow your passion. Well, that's kind of not true. The truth of the matter is, is your greatest success will come as you find how your passion and purpose overlap with the passion and purpose of others, and then that Mm -hmm. tribe will support you and validate you and pay the funds that you need to live and survive. And so when you find that, when you find that, it's a matter now of becoming persistent. In fact, one of my favorite interviews that I did was with Edward James Olmos, you know, the actor. In fact, he, uh, for those of you who don't know, he was the guy that played Commander Adama in the latest Battlestar Galactica. He was in Miami Vice, Blade Runner. He was in Mm -hmm. Green Hornet movie. I mean, the guy's done a million and one shows anyway so we're sitting for lunch and i said to him well what's your definition of success and he says to me he goes some people think that success is kind of doing what's hard he said well that's not success he says in fact success is finding something that you really love and then doing it even when it's hard and i think that's the problem with most people is they they kind of live in the fantasy and they have false expectations that when something that they want to do all of a sudden becomes difficult that it wasn't meant to be and the truth of the matter is, is everything that you'll do, whether you like it or not, is going to have difficult moments. So you might as well do what you love, and then when it gets tough, just keep going and keep pushing until you have burst through. And I really mm-hmm. love what Malcolm Gladwell said in uh, Outliers, that he said it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at any given thing. Now, I don't know if those numbers are exactly true. I believe some people come with natural talent. I, I believe that some people, you know, based on what they've already done in the past, they can kind of shortcut some of that time. But either way... 10,000 hours to me tells me it takes commitment. And I do believe that that's true. You know, I've never interviewed one top achiever who things just fell into place instantly and easily. They really wanted it. And there were moments where people fought against them or, you know, people in their lives, even close family members, didn't believe in them or think that they could do it. And they had to make a decision in their heart that this is really what I, be- what I deserve and where I belong and I'm worthy and I'm worth it. And when things are tough, no problem. I'm just going to get tighter, tougher with it. And it mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of something we, sh- we share in the seminars. We tell everybody, if you want to expand what you have, you must expand who you are. And you don't get that by playing safe, right? What are the five pillars that motivate people then? Well, I think there's really, I guess, a couple of ways to dissect that question. And in the book, we actually you know take quite um, a full chapter to explore this because there's – a couple ways to approach this. I guess the best way to kind of maybe hit this question in the time that we okay. have is to say that as we've kind of been meeting with people over the last decade and also interviewing the 400 top achievers, I found that there's really five common areas that everyone sort of sets either as a goal or as something that they want in life. And we don't always recognize all five at once, but eventually you're going to find you're going to need all five to be successful. And you're also going to find that at different times in your life and what's going on, certain of the five will be more important to you at that time. And these are number one, what we call self or self connection, which can include such things as self-awareness. It can include connection to um, yourself. It can include feelings of self-worth and these kind of things. The second one is what we call spirituality. And that doesn't just mean like going to church and stuff, although it can for some people, it really just means a connection between you and the universe, you and spirit, you and other beings, um, you and your ethics. So in other words, you know, when you believe something is right, are you living in harmony with that, right? And then the third one is what we call health. And that can include uh, most often manifested as people who want to lose weight, get more fit, stop smoking, uh, you know, take care of their health. But I've had also people who've you know, been diagnosed with terminal illness who've experienced a different manifestation of that health kind of goal. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, moving past that onto item number four, we've got relationships. And relationships is often a big one. Relationships obviously can deal with a spouse. It can deal with siblings. It can deal with children. It can deal with parents. But it can expand that too. For example, all the relationships that we have with others around us in our businesses and in our lives, in our communities and so forth. And the last area is abundance which is wealth, not only financially, but also our time, our opportunity, and our, you know, every aspect of, of, uh, of wealth, if you will. And the thing that's kind of interesting that most people kind of miss is that when you ask someone, like, to do their goals, and we've got an exercise that we do in the training where we, you know, give them 60 seconds, we say, list your goals, top 10 goals, go for it. And almost invariably, people list what they want to do, 
So in other words, let's go travel. I want to, you know, visit here. I want to build an orphanage. I want to blah, blah, blah. And then also what they want to have. So I want to have money. I want to have a nice car. I want to have a good family. I want to have, right? But the problem is, is they forget some of those pillars. The early pillars actually start with what we want to be. And you have to be it before you can do it, before you can have it. In fact, uh, one of the things that my wife said, which I thought was brilliant, and I, I've stolen it, so I use it all the time. You've heard the <laughs> saying says, actions speak louder than words, right? Being actually speaks even louder than actions. So when we, do, when we are the right thing in the beginning, sometimes we don't always do the right thing. That's just the way we are as humans. We make mistakes, sometimes unintentionally even. But when we are the right thing, it's a lot easier to keep trust intact and to rescue relationships and keep everything intact. And if you look at the way that this cycle goes, so it starts with ourself. And then obviously our spirituality is added on top of that because you've heard you must love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself, which also mm-hmm. encourages them to take care of our health, which allows us to take care of our relationships. And if you look at where all abundance comes from, all abundance is a transfer of you know, a value of some kind between someone else. So in, if, if you're suffering from abundance problems, it's because your relationships suck. <laughs> I'm just telling you that's the truth, right? Like your transactions are not happening. You're not providing enough value to other people or enough people aren't recognizing the value. And uh, it just kind of reminds me of something one of my mentors said. He said they're printing money at the mint all day long. You get yep. to decide how much you're going you're gonna to have of it in your life based on the value that you provide other people. And if you start providing high value, you'll receive greater abundance. Now, when you were uh, interviewing these 400 people, did you um, – a couple of things, because you mentioned the power and the importance of networking. How did you get the interviews? Um, I just had a curiosity because people are going to have to you yeah. know, take that step to do some, some of the things that you did by – you were being what you talk about when you were making those, in my opinion, when you were conducting and setting up those interviews. So how did you – what did you yeah. – what were the qualities you needed to get those interviews? How did you get them? And then did you do, in sure. as part of your networking with these people, did you do deals with them or did you just glean yeah. their, uh, you know, glean their um, insights and then take it to the next meeting and then ultimately put together separate deals? Or did you actually start working with some of these folks? And, but first of all, Doug, I, actually, how, I did did. You, yeah. how did you, okay. How did you get how did it on these people? <laughs> yeah, how did exactly. I get Thank you. Sure. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, let, let's find a way to answer this all. Uh, number one, many of them have still uh, actually become friends. So a, a lot of them I still have a personal connection to. Many of them have become very grandfatherly to me. In fact, I was on the phone yesterday with one of my mentors, Brian. He's worth about $800 million and uh, is a big real estate developer. And so we're buddies, right? Uh, even people like Bob Proctor and John D. Martini, we've become buddies, right? So we, we still do business deals together. In fact, on this latest book, Bob Proctor wrote the forward on it for me and yep, actually I read wrote it. the forward yep. on my last mm-hmm. book too. So um, how did I get to these guys? That's the other thing. Okay, so number one, you start with the low-hanging fruit. Who do you know that can maybe either talk to you or introduce you to someone? And nowadays that's really easy because it used to be six degrees of separation. Well, now with social media, I've found that it's like sometimes two or none. Like you can sometimes find people directly through social media. And so that, that was one of the first things is, is to kind of get these introductions through other people because it's tough to come in the door through a gatekeeper. So I would right. always kind of plead for these introductions, and it's gone really well. I mean, introductions is what got me to Oprah Winfrey and to Ellen DeGeneres. Introductions is what got me to Richard Branson and Mark Cuban. And I mean, the list goes on and on, right? People who know people. Now, here's maybe something peculiar about maintaining these relationships because you hear the, about the word network, right? So your network is your net worth. And we could talk for a long time about this because it's more than just your net worth. I believe mm-hmm. that your net worth is also your safety net, right? Like you can solve bigger problems and you can expand who you are if you've got better people in your network. But here's the deal is network is actually two words. There's the net part of it, but there's also the work part of it. And the work part of it nobody really talks about. And the truth of the matter is, is there's, there's a different kind of effort and also location that's required to meet higher network people. In fact, one of my mentors said it this way. He said, you'll never do a million-dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. And so you got to remember that sometimes that means you need to get to locations where you know the regular crowd that you're kind of comfortable with maybe right now isn't hanging out. And you got to not be afraid to – like, in fact, when, when my wife and I met Ellen, I think I paid $4,000 each for a plate to be at a, a charity fundraiser. Well, that's a little mm-hmm. bit different than a ten dollar breakfast, right? Right, right. So, you know, you got to go and attend these and have a purpose in mind. But sometimes it means you're going to have to stretch a little bit. You're going to have to put yourself out there, and you're going to have to recognize that if you really believe in this mission that you have, it's worth investing in. 
Now, here's one of the coolest things, though, that I learned is that when you tell someone, especially at a high level, that you're going to do something, you need to do it. Let me give you an example. I had one guy that uh, I went to interview, and I said to him literally on the phone, I said, I need about 15 minutes. And he said, yep, no problem. So he met me, and I'd never seen this before. He actually pulled out a stopwatch and set it on the (laughs) table. I was like, oh, my goodness. And so he did his 15 minutes. Now, here's the cool thing about this is do you think that my questions were a little bit more on point when I knew I only had 15 minutes? Absolutely. And I respected his time. I asked him what was valuable, and I finished even a little bit early. Now, the cool thing is is because I did that, he actually said that was a test for you, and I'm happy to now have other conversations with you if you'd like. And so it was really interesting wow. that he wanted to see if I lived according to my word. Now, by the way, we had a discussion about this after, and I thought this was really enlightening too. He said to me, he goes, do you know why people do these stupid one-hour meetings at a Starbucks or whatever to discuss business? We said that's because we were, how we're trained in school. We were told that if you're going to go learn math, you need an hour to do it. That's a subject, like a, a one-hour period. Or if you're going to lo- go learn English or social studies or whatever, you need an hour. He says the truth of the matter is, is if you're organized and you get your act together and you know what you want to accomplish, you never need an hour for a meeting. Yep. And I thought that was so insightful. And that's been really valuable to me to understand what my time's worth. And, and I don't tire kick. And if somebody asks me for a meeting, honestly, I love to meet with people, but I will now qualify it. I'll have them go through my assistant and share what they want to do. And I'll have them make sure they're organized before we meet. Because even though I love to meet with people, I actually prefer to spend time with my family or doing the things that excite and interest me. And I don't want to sit and just get pitched on someone's business idea if I already know in 10 minutes I'm not interested to be part of it, right? So I try and pre-qualify that. And just that whole use of time and understanding the use of time is valuable. Who was uh, some of the most impressive people that you met with? And were some of them, some of those, were they surprises to you like you weren't expecting much and they blew you away? Oh, you know what? I'm still meeting with people, and I know we don't talk about this as much, but every chance I get, I'm still meeting with people. Uh, I was just um, at an event where I had a chance to meet actor Richard Dreyfus, very amazing guy, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you know, uh, Travis Rose, who's the one of the founders of Kajabi, I met the other day, and he's amazing. Actually, one of my favorites that I just met recently was Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian's just a stellar dude, just really cool, and he and I are doing business together. Um, you know, I, I think some of these really surprised me, but the other thing too is that as I've sought to, to reach out to the top 400 achievers, there were also many that I met that I didn't expect to be a top achiever, but when I met them, I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's incredible. Uh, a couple that were really amazing to me that most people wouldn't think about was Richard Keel, who was Jaws in the James Bond movies. Yep. You remember mm-hmm. the seven and a half foot yep. tall yep. guy with mm-hmm. the metal teeth? And, How'd you uh, pick him? Happy Gilmore and... Well, I actually ran into him uh, at an event I was at, and here's the funny thing is because as a kid, probably like you, I watched him in the James Bond movies, and it scared the crap out of me, right? Like, (laughs) he was a scary-looking dude, right? And so when I first saw him, I'll tell you, my heart jumped a beat, and I was like, "Um, this is scary. And so as I got a chance to go over and talk with him with my heart in my throat, like, he was taller than me sitting down, and I was standing up. Like, the guy's just a giant, right? So he and I had become friends. Uh, well, he now passed away in 2013, but he and I became friends. And the thing that maybe um, has me move him to the top achiever list is just some of the things that he went through in his life, like losing his dad at a young age and he and his mom having to make ends meet. And obviously as an actor at seven and a half feet tall, there wasn't obviously a lot always for him to do, but he was a genius at creating himself to be relevant. And if you remember, he was on Gilligan's Island. He was in the Twilight Zone original shows remember the big alien to serve man he was on i dream of genie as genie's boyfriend and he was you know on the monkeys and then again the james bond movies and cannibal run and he was just very clever at making himself relevant like the longest yard force 10 from navarone i mean his list of movies was a mile long but the thing that i admire is that no matter you know the catastrophes that came up against him he actually always rose above it. And it wasn't just a, you know, a joke around his height. He just literally found a way to make things work. And to me, that was, that was powerful. Right. Okay. So that was, that was one of my favorite interviews. Yeah. Okay. So now you do, uh, there's the book, but also you have the seminars and I got to think because you're so dynamic that the seminars really pull all, you know, you can read a book, but I think 
attending your seminar probably really helps a lot of people. So we want to riff on that just a little bit, and then I'll I got a final yeah, question, and, and, and I'll, I'll let be you honest go. With you, I, I love writing writing the books too. I really do enjoy writing the books, and obviously one of the things I try to do that's maybe different than a lot of authors. While I'm writing, I try to engage people on social media to find out what they'd like to learn about and what their struggles are. So I try to make mm-hmm. it interactive, and the books reflect that. But obviously, at a live event we go even more interactive. And the cool thing that I personally love about them, why I love to do the live events, is because it's never the same twice. I've had so many opportunities to meet amazing people, and, you know, we just were able to get into the things that they need support with. And, by the way, at our live events, it's kind of cool. I actually bring with me some of the top achievers. Like, one of the last ones that I just did, I had Barnett Bain, who's the Academy Award-winning movie director behind What Dreams May Come. And mm-hmm. uh, he yep. just did Eckhart Tolle's uh, latest movie, uh, Milton's Great. Secret, and a bunch of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had George Pavelianian, who's the number one music conductor, like, for conducting philharmonics and stuff. He came out, and he taught us all how to conduct music. And we've had... Uh, you know, Bob Proctor out, and cool. John D. Martini cool. out, and we've had, you know, so you never know who's going to show up at our events, but it's always exciting, and that's the cool thing. Actually, one of my favorite ones that we just had, we just had uh, Crystal Nicole Jones, who's a buddy of mine who just won uh, the Cupcake Wars on the Food Network, and wow. she brought cupcakes, so that was awesome, so mm-hmm. we love that. Yeah, it was great. All right, um, I know we've uh, covered a lot, and I have so, so many more questions, but for right now... Um, let me ask you one one more thing. Um, what would be yeah. the first thing that people, our listeners, should do if they really want to uh, get themselves on the moving ahead on the right foot? Of course, they want to get your book and check out your seminars, but just on their own, sure. what what's the first thing they could do? Because I think from what I've read is you have to learn how to live in the present. You have to love yourself. You have to have gratitude, and you have to have. There's a spirituality to what you're doing, Doug. Sure, sure. Well, I I think one of the interesting things, too, it it may be a powerful way to answer this question. Um, You know, not all the interviews I did were with top achievers. Sometimes I selected also people who I believed uh, were influential on making life changes. And so I selected a very uh, interesting group, people that I believe have to make life changes or help people facilitate life changes in a hurry. And that's a suicide hotline worker. Mm -hmm. Think about it. When people call in, they're on the edge of despair. They've got turmoil Mm -hmm. and tragedy in their life. And so I I, I spent a lot of time working with these people around the idea of change. How do you get somebody to have a mind shift like instantly? How do you do that? And it was so interesting that as I was talking with this person, she said, the only thing that we're not allowed to say is don't kill yourself. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the first thing that I would say, right? So I said, okay, so why why is that? She goes, well, because that takes away choice. You see, that's why people feel like they want to hurt themselves and take their lives they feel like they don't have any more choice right all their choices mm-hmm. are gone and by us telling them what to do that's not a choice either so we do tell them yes you could kill yourself that's one choice but here's what the consequence looks like or you could get help and this is what you're doing now and this is what the consequence looks like or you could do this and so one of the first things i think that anyone needs to understand is that your ability to recognize your choices is the beginning of your power so if you're here listening to this today and you feel like, oh, you know, I mean, I've got to go to work tomorrow or maybe I don't like my life or I don't like my family or I don't like my spouse or I don't like my situation and all these things. And you feel trapped and paralyzed and you're stuck to repeat this day after day after day. The first thing that's going to change anything is for you to rec- recognize really what choices you now have. And the more choices you recognize you have, the more power you gain back. Now, I'm not saying you've got to take every choice, but you can start, certainly start selecting some ones that will empower you. And when we recognize what our choices are, we can then start adding the other things to it. We can start now recognizing with clarity what we want. And a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. But it all starts with a choice. You see, we won't do anything if we don't think anything's going to change. So we need to Fantastic. recognize that it can. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. you're, 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 you've got it, Doug. And I'm so happy for your success oh, you. and you've earned it and you brought yourself up on your own and you, you put in the work and you believed in yourself and you lived in the present and you're still doing it. And um, it's an honor to meet you. Um, would you tell everybody where they can uh, find out more about um, you, your website and all that? The name of this book is Personal yeah, Power Mastery, Douglas Vermeeren, yes. but uh, give us uh, your social media stuff. Yeah, pr- probably the easiest place to go is personalpowermastery.co. And in fact, even if you Google personal power mastery, you're going to run into me and we've got all kinds of great free materials for you to learn about us and we've got podcasts and things. 
So if you like the stuff you're hearing about, you know, I'm not inviting you to pull out your wallet right away. I want you to come and get some stuff for free. Dive deep with us. Learn a little bit more about us. There's tons of free content that we have, and if you like our vibe, you'll become our tribe. And then the other thing that we've got that you might be really interested in, if you like the money talk we had, I've got a brand-new book that's also just come out called uh, Passive Income Millionaire, and you can go to the website there and and, uh, find out more about that at PassiveIncomeMillionaireBook.com. And uh, again, really great tools that you can apply immediately to start making money now. All right. Awesome. Um, love this talk and so nice to meet you. And I hope we can do it again. Maybe we can talk about Passive Income yeah, Millionaire. I know you're super busy, but I, um, I'm working on something that could extend the reach of the brand here. So it would be great to get you out there to more and more people be part, part of helping well, and Anything that. we can do to help you too. I love your mission and uh, you know what you're doing is awesome. So I'm happy to support it as well. Just feel free to reach out and I'd love to do whatever I can with you. This is cool. All right. Thank you so much, Douglas. Okay, everybody, uh, our special guest, Douglas Vermeeren, Personal Power Mastery and positive, Passive Income Millionaire. Thanks so much, Doug. Have a great holiday season and uh, all the best to you, and I'll be in touch. Thank you. You too. Okay. All right. Cool. So, everybody, we're going to take a quick break now, and then we'll wrap up the show. We'll be right back with Guys Guys Radio. The Guys Guys Radio. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. Um, this is your host, Robert Manny. That was a very, very dynamic guest, Douglas Vermeeren. Um, you know, not everybody has the energy, the enthusiasm, and the self-confidence to do what he's doing. But you got to give people who are like that, who have it in them. And I think we all have it in them. It's just a matter of being able to bring it out. So a lot of people have a lot of talent, but they don't know how to put it out there. I think what Doug's done amazingly is package everything together, do the work, put it out there, believe in himself, and then he's sharing it all with everyone. So really cool stuff and a really dynamic person. So I'm really glad we did the show tonight because hopefully we got some information out there um, that you can think about and check out and decide, is this for you? Because we all need teachers and we all have to find the teacher that's right for them. And usually when the, as they say, when the student's ready, the right teacher shows up. And I find by just hosting the show, I'm meeting so many teachers. Um, I'm learning so much. It's been an education. And I, I suggest if you, if you have the time and the inclination and the interest, check out some of the guys, guys radio podcasts, because we have guests like Doug on every week and we offer something different, whether it's about entertainment, spirituality, um, self-help, um, personal power mastery, and, and lots more. So we're here for you, and um, we're growing and growing. And um, as the 10,000-hour thing, Mal- Malcolm Gladwell, we're, we're, we're getting close to 10,000 hours now, and things are starting to really uh, snowball in the right way. So we're, we're blowing up. I hope to have some news next week. Until then, um, we're back on Sunday night, December 16th, special guest, um, a very spiritual person, an author, and also another uh, radio podcast host, Les Jensen's going to be with me. I was on his show a couple of weeks ago. I really enjoyed him. It's great to get to know him. He's a fascinating guy, very prolific writer, and we're going to talk about some of his books and some other stuff. So in the meantime, as I had mentioned, you know, it's the holidays. Just remember when you get out there tomorrow, everybody you run into, everybody, we all come from the same source. And if you can recognize that in every single person, the good, the bad, the ugly, there's still a representation of spirit and recognize that. And that's the first step to raising your frequency and uh, your vibration and, uh, uh, and your own personal ascension. Once you see that, then everybody and everything's the same. There's no judgments. There are fewer and fewer judgments until there's no judgments. Of course, we're human. We all are judging things. We see somebody and we make judgments by the way their their hairstyle or their clothes or their attitude, whatever. But, you know, God, as they say, experiences itself through all of us, the good, the bad, everything. And sometimes it's a hard, it's a hard concept to grasp because you'd say, well, why do all those bad things happen? But, um, you know, God's not participating the way you would think. We, we have, in my opinion, from what I've learned from listening to all these teachers is that we we create our lives. So if you keep that in mind, create the life that you want and have a wonderful week. And as I always like to say in parting, 
Remember, guys, guys, finish first.